is so happy to be there. You walk in and you can see the staff and the participants are all like family. Like everybody is so close and just, it's just a positive, happy place to be. What's up listeners? My name is Ken Weatherford. Welcome to Laugh in the Darkness, a podcast full of stories of goodness, light, laughter, and love brought to you by BeerandHymns.com. Each month we share a drink or two with nonprofit leaders, band members, songwriters, and everyday people doing amazing stuff to make the world a little bit better place. So I invite you to kick back and relax with your favorite beverage, or simply go for a walk as we laugh at the darkness together. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Laugh at the Darkness. This month we are joined by Kelly Sampson, the development director over at Open Avenues, our highlighted charity this month. So welcome to the podcast. Kelly, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Cheers. Uh, Open Avenues, who are you? What do you do? What? What? Let, let's just start right there. Okay. Well, there's a lot to say. We started in 1975, and ha- kind of how we started is we had a group of parents who had adult children that had aged out of their high school, and they wanted something for them to do. And these are people with disabilities, any diagnosed disability. Right. Okay. So it's all over the board. And Open Avenues was formed, and we kind of started having our folks do arts and crafts and then quickly realized they were capable of a lot more Mm. than doing that. So we started partnering with some local businesses and quickly grew into an employment program. So originally we were doing these packaging things and painting and different things for businesses and then grew from there and today gosh we are doing all sorts of assembly and packaging and just great work that gives people a sense of belonging and purpose and besides this on-site training center we also do community employment where we'll help folks who are interested and capable of holding a job in the community transition to that type of work mm. And besides all of that, I feel like I'm going to keep saying and, and, and. <laughs> it's a good word in this context, though, I feel like. <laughs> we, have, we have a pre-vocational program, too, for folks who need a little bit more hands-on help, where they're working in, you know, a room with two instructors who are teaching them more about life skills. Uh-huh. So they're learning kind of how to operate a microwave and make a bed and, you know, things to get by in life. And then we will have them do some of the work from our training center in the afternoons. And it's more about following directions and staying on task and that right, kind of thing. Right, right, right. Just kind of learning those simple skills absolutely. At, at that level. Right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. So with the, the packaging and stuff like that, the things that you're doing there, is that for another company? What, like, what, how, how does that work? What does that look like? And what are those relationships like? Yeah, so we have, well, we call them industrial partners. Okay. And so almost all of them, except one, are local companies, or at least they have a local presence. So we'll right. do work for Walmart, of course, and Tyson and some of the bigger companies. And then we do a lot of work for a company called Ring Snuggies, for example. And Ring Snuggies? <laughs> <laughs> it was one of our first jobs, and huh. they have been such a great partner. So, side note what, one of about your first what jobs, that is. Like back to the 70s? And yes. 80s? Wow, yes. how cool is yeah, that? Yeah, we've been doing it for a long time. It's this little plastic tube that fits on the back of your ring. So, if your ring's a little bit bigger, oh. 
<laughs> I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, th- they sell them at Walmart. So. Yeah. <laughs> How funny. So we do all the packaging for that. And those are sold in various stores. They're even sold internationally. And so we do wow. we do all of that. So it's it's kind of a cool thing, especially for our participants to be able to go into a store and see their work on the shelf and be so proud of, yeah. I did that. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So, all right. Well, then from 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 one nonprofit, you know, person to to you, like that's an interesting uh, model and concept. I feel like for a nonprofit to have, where you're working alongside, at the very least, a for profit company. So they're donating, they're paying. How, how does what does that look like in, in 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 that relationship there between the companies? Yeah. So they'll bring a project to us, and we bid on it. Just like I'm sure they're getting bids from multiple other companies oh, okay yeah and so how we'll do that is we'll do a time study and so we'll have a non-disabled person do the project multiple times and time out how long it takes mm. and then we'll give them a price quote of what what we would charge for it and so then they are paying us but we use all that money to pay our participants so everyone that's working in our training center is earning a paycheck wow so they're not they're not just coming in as for something to do right, like it's, right, right. it's a job and yeah, so they they benefit and more than just learning they actually benefit and being a part of society in that way right? absolutely and, okay. absolutely yeah. when you come in and tour which we'd love to have you or anybody come in and tour it's amazing to see how proud everybody is of the work mm. they're doing they can't wait to have you they'll you know motion you over come see what i'm doing come see what i'm doing and they're so proud of it so it's yes they're getting a paycheck yes they're getting outside of their house but they're getting that sense of pride and mm. and the socialization too mm-hmm. yeah so. that's so cool that's so so cool i i did a little bit of like digging but not a ton and so i i was just shot honestly to hear you say 1975 yeah uh that that's how far back your organization dates because frankly it 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 seems like uh finding ways to include uh neurodiversity more in the everyday of life uh and in society seems to be a very maybe new concept is not the right way but it it only seems to be entering our lexicon now Right, that it seems to be something that more and more people are finally becoming aware of. But y'all have been doing this for fifty years almost. Right. Well, to be honest, so we started with eleven people, so it was a very small group. Right, but yeah. but you know, their parents knew that their kids were capable of doing more yeah. than just sitting at home and wanted to figure out something, and so that's how it was born. And we've slowly grown over the years. Now, mm. when COVID hit. A lot of our participants are susceptible to to illness and Certainly, yeah. decided they needed to stay home. And so our numbers aren't back to where they were mm. pre-COVID yet. We are accepting applications. Um, but we were, a few years ago, we had about 125 people in our training center every single day. Mm. We're about 75 right now. So, it, I mean, it's still a big group yeah, of folks a, we're serving. Yeah, yeah. And we've also put a bigger focus on that community employment piece where we're getting people jobs in the community and so so those people once we get them a job we'll check in with them from time to time and you know kind of graduate out yeah exactly so so they're no longer like under our under our roof anymore yeah that makes sense 
Well, uh, last night we, we got to host an event uh, for, for Open Avenues down at Tawnytown Winery, and, and one of your participants, Jacob, was there and sharing about his new job outside of Open Avenues, but it was by way of your work, working with him, training, and all those things that, that enabled those opportunities to, to open up for him. Uh, that, that's huge. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a true success for us, for sure. We love having people come in our doors and, you know, help build up that confidence more than anything and let them know like they can be successful because they're working at Open Avenues. That's a job yeah. and that's a success for them. But it helps them be more confident that they can go out there and do it. And Jacob is so excited for this opportunity. Mm, that's cool. That's so cool. What uh, what age ranges do you work with? Is it mostly young adult or these teenagers what what like what's what is the bracket there or or is there not really a limit there's not really a limit as far as like the top age we have uh, one woman who until recently with covid she'd been with us since the beginning so wow yeah so i mean we've got some long timers we've got some short timers there's people who come and want to stay forever because they're comfortable there and they have their friends there and then we've got people who like jacob his goal is to get a job and he wants to get out and then we've got you know everyone in between so in our training program it's adults for sure um Mm. there is legislation that won't allow us to work with kids right out of high school oh interesting yeah it's yeah it's kind of an odd thing um so we have to wait until they're 23 before they can come into our training center program okay right. but right out of high school we can help them with community employment and because when that legislation came into force in 2016 i think it was we developed a high school transition program because we wanted to help bridge that time where right. they Find can't that come five-year gap right yeah. so through that we work with juniors and seniors in high school that have special needs and it's a two-year program where they're learning soft skills as far as getting a job and then as seniors they're actually doing jobs in the community we have a group of kids right now working at harps and that's through that high school transition program so we're there with them while they're working and it's helping them get used to what it's like and hopefully they'll be prepared for a job right out of high school so literally in some of those circumstances y'all actually have representatives from open avenues helping them in a you know an office or a a a company out in uh, in the community um, separate from Open Avenues itself and, and the packaging and things that you'll have going on there. Yeah, we do. We have um, what we call job coaches. And so not everybody needs a job coach, but right. a lot of our folks do. And that job coach will just help them get comfortable and used to everything that they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, we can be there up to a month if they need us there that long just That's to, so to cool. help onboard them. That's really amazing. I mean, that... And what a benefit as well to the company, I would imagine, that that is hiring um, you know, that's got to be a learning curve for them as well, I would imagine, at yeah. least in the initiation of, of those relationships and, and taking that on. It hopefully makes the process easier for them so that they're more apt to want to hire some yeah. of our folks in the future. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's so, so cool. What? All right. I'm, I'm going to change directions here, but like, what got you into, well, how, how long have you been with Open Avenues? Let's start there. How about? I started there in 2016, so... Right around the time of that legislation. Yes, right? <laughs> yes, great timing. <laughs> what, what, what put that on your radar? Why, why was this something that you wanted to be involved with? 
Well, the true story is somebody reached out to me and asked me if I would be interested in a job there. And I said, what's Open Avenues? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know. So I went in for a tour and I was sold immediately. Because like I said, you know, everybody is so happy to be there. You walk in and you can see the staff and the participants are all like family, like Everybody yeah. is so close and just it's just a positive, happy place to be. So as soon as I walked in, I was like, yep, this is this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm, how cool is that? How cool is that? So so being in the nonprofit space wasn't necessarily your background prior to that or I was at a nonprofit before that. And um, prior to that, I'd only been there about a year and a half or so prior mm. to that, I worked for a company and I did community relations. So I was on oh, okay. the other side of the table, actually. I got to make the decisions about who we were going to support with sponsorship money. And so I was sitting on the side of the table where I would hear from all the nonprofits and based on our focus areas as a company, get to decide who we were going to support. And so then when I switched over to the nonprofit side, I kind of knew that side of the table as far as what companies are looking for. And so it made it a little bit easier for me to make that transition into the development world of yeah, begging no for kid. money. <laughs> yeah, so I, I would love to let's let's have some more conversations okay. after this. Because <laughs> I'm on the begging side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's it's hard some days, but indeed, indeed. Yeah. Well, we we missed a couple episodes here and. Uh, we're unable to get to sit down with some of our sponsors, but we're really excited to welcome today to to the conversation uh, First United Methodist Church of downtown Bentonville. Uh, I will say uh, this has been our longest sponsor relationship. Uh, in many ways, they have been involved since we got started, uh, as this is the place that I have called my uh, church home and uh, and job home for the last seven years. So uh, excited to welcome today Reverend Dr. Michelle Morris, my boss. So y'all be kind. Be, live, leave very nice messages and everything. All right. <laughs> welcome, welcome, Michelle. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thanks so much. No pressure on those uh, those comments, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, it's podcasting, and you know, right. if, you, if you're listening on spot, it's it's hard to leave comments anyway. It really is. Time. You have to be deeply committed if yeah. you're gonna you comment really on a podcast. <laughs> Um, so beer and hymns, you've, you have only been here with us at the church. I've been, we've been leading it here around six years now, uh, mm-hmm. got started in the summer of 16, uh, but you weren't here in 16. No. Uh, where have you been? What brought you here? And we, we won't go into all the church politics or anything like right. that. None of, none of that needed, but, uh, but right. yeah, like, you know, tell us about yourself. Yeah. So, um. Well, I'm an ordained uh, elder in the United Methodist Church, which basically means that I serve usually in a primary pastoral role, and the bishop tells me where I'm going to go and Mm -hmm. where I'm going to serve. And so that's taken me really pretty much all over Arkansas. I started in West Memphis, then moved to Fort Smith. Um, I used to say that... um, you know, either the bishop thought that Arkansas could barely contain me or he was really close to kicking me out. Mm. <laughs> he put me on the borders both times. On the edge and here every I am. Time you go, yeah. Here I am 
again up here on another border, seven, right? <laughs> seven miles to one state, about 20 miles to another. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but I have also served uh, the conference offices. I worked actually for the bishop. I used to also say he'd take me to the principal's office in that case. Um, <laughs> so I worked in the Center for Vitality, which worked with um, revitalization of current churches. And then I moved over to the Center for Communication, where I learned a ton about videography and um, social media and marketing strategies. It was a weird place for a, an ordained elder to serve, but it turned yeah. out to be a godsend going into the pandemic um, because I had all of the skills that we needed for the shift that the church was going to make. And was then that, I, was that an office that you were leading at the time? Or, no, or I was. Uh, you, so you, when so I went, like, you said you learned there. Yes. When I went to the Center for Vitality, I was given kind of two primary charges. One was to work with churches on intentional discipleship, which gave rise to my two books, my gospel discipleship books. Right. Um, but the other was to launch an online learning system for the conference, which still exists. It's out there. Um, and I got that off the ground. We had it actually launched about six months before the pandemic broke out. And then it was the tool that we had to help churches make the shift that they needed to make. We had the infrastructure in place. So uh, our conference looked like uh, prophetic geniuses over there. <laughs> we, had, we had put that in place. I had fought and fought and fought so hard for it. And then, and then all of a sudden it proved its usefulness. So I, I didn't have to fight anymore. That's helpful. Mm -hmm. But they had, because so much of my work was really centering around that, and it, because it was developing coursework, that involved a lot of videography and all that. They moved that whole division out of the Center for Vitality, which at the time had changed its name to Center for Multiplying Disciples. And they moved it into the Center for Communication. Mm. And so when they did that, they moved me into that center so I could oversee that. Mm -hmm. That It's called course. Um, but the director of communication, her name's Amy Azell, said, you're on our team. We want you to be fully part of our team, so we're going to train you as part of our team. And so... They trained me as if I was a, you know, PR person, mm -hmm. and oh my goodness, <laughs> again, incredibly useful skills when the pandemic broke yeah. out, and then they sent me to to the um, First United Methodist Church in Conway, and basically just put all of their digital infrastructure in place, yeah. um, because they, like many churches, had not been streaming online, hadn't mm. been doing any of that stuff. And so what they were doing when I got there was very rudimentary, but it wasn't for long. <laughs> <laughs> you brought them along quickly. That's yes, good. Yes, I mean, you yes. brought us further along <laughs> since you've been here now, too. Well, you know, it's a strange thing. I found a real passion in that kind of ministry. Mm -hmm. And I really see the, the digital field. The in-person's never going to go away, and it shouldn't. Because no, that's of course not. Yeah. so critical to people's health and faith development and just being part of a community is so important to who we are and who we're created to be. Uh, but uh, you can also do that digitally and helping people understand that. Um, there's a, there, there are two generations now that have done as much, if not more, relating digitally than they have mm. in person. And, uh, and so being able to speak that language in a meaningful way and in a compelling way and in, and um, in a way that's also still true to our faith, I think it's very important, and we, we need to be able to do that as a church going forward. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, beer and hymns. Yeah. Uh, you know, we haven't hosted uh, a ton of them since you arrived, but we 
we're back in person um, for you know starting last summer uh, as you made the move up here to Northwest Arkansas, uh, and now we're mostly back in full swing. Though you've you've been injured here recently, <laughs> or not been injured, you've uh, had to deal had with an surgery. old injury, foot yeah. surgery, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, yeah, and and so, um, but. The church has been involved with it and uh, and and given its support in various ways over the years. Um, what do you, what what are your thoughts on beer and hymns? What what are the things that you love about it? Sure. Uh, as you come in with a, a new perspective on it. Yeah. So first of all, I just again love the freedom of the community there. That it is such an open space, and I think a lot of mm. people who, especially. Uh, there, are, there are just so many people who have been so deeply hurt by the church, mm. but who really not only crave that kind of connection, but crave a space to express um, spirituality and to and to see it integrated into our lives. I think too often we we box the church in, we box mm. faith in into the physical church building, yep. And really, as people of faith, it should it should be part of our whole lives. There should be no division into that space. So I think Beer and Hymns does that beautifully um, because you have this mix of secular and sacred when, in mm. fact, I actually hate that divide. Oh, amen. Preach that. <laughs> right? Yeah. I want to hear that sermon. Yeah. Right? <laughs> there is no divide, but there is no sacred and secular. It is all both, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. at the same time. And um, and so I, I love that aspect, but I also love the fact that people who may never, ever walk into the church building because of the hurt that they have experienced um, have a space that they can feel safer in and mm. still have that community and have that connection. Um, that's also just to tie in, it, you know, that's what I love about digital ministry is I know there's some mm. people that coming in the church building is physically painful because of the realities of what they've experienced. Um, and so uh, digital ministry allows us to reach them. So in a lot of ways, I see this passion that I now have for digital ministry and your, uh, the passion around beer and hymns share quite a bit in common. Mm-hmm. I've seen it both here at the church, but mm-hmm. as well with beer and hymns. The mm-hmm. fact that we were able to shift uh, with beer and hymns, and, and no, not the same experience. When you're sitting in your living room playing music, to a camera lens the size, well, you know, the little thing that you got on the back of your phones, right? right? And and then trying to interact and connect with an audience that is separated by, you know, miles and miles and internet feeds and all those things. It's not the same. There's no question there. Mm-hmm. But it was a wonderful tool during that time to be able to continue to allow us connect. And while we can't stream everything in, in the future right now, it's the cost and setup and expense of that for beer and hymns is, is a little too great at the moment. We're able to do it occasionally, and we were yeah. able to do that for beer and carols. And we had people joining us from Scotland. We had people right. joining us uh, from the Boston area. A former band member of of beer and hymns, who's he's working on. Uh, I can't what part of the program he's in. I think he's in his fellowship. Uh, you know, as he becomes a doctor, moved away. Not can't can't get to be here for anything, but. He was able to still connect and yeah. and be a part and give. We you know we got donations now coming in from Colorado and from other places, giving to enrich our community here in Northwest Arkansas. Right. And that's what that digital world has opened up to us. And the other yeah. the other piece that I I want people to remember is the accessibility that happens oh, with digital. Yeah. So very powerful things have happened in the in the couple of years since I since we've been doing this as a church. Um, one, I remember fairly early on in the pandemic, I, um, 
I did a series around grief um, that was just released the week of Thanksgiving. Mm. And um, I, a, a gentleman in Washington State found it and wrote me with a bunch of questions about how I had interpreted because I use the the creation story in Genesis 1 to frame a journey through grief and trauma. And he he was intrigued. He said, I've studied these passages for years, and I've never come across this approach. And so he wanted to know more. And we exchanged emails back and forth, and I offered to Zoom with him. And that's when he wrote me and said, I actually have severe autism. And yeah. Yeah. I cannot engage with somebody um, you know, without thinking through what I'm saying. Writing these emails takes me hours. Wow. And he said, I can't, I can't be in person like that. But, but yeah. the fact that the content was out there and he could, you know, take the time to engage with it. And then he could, you know, contact me on terms that were safe for him. Yeah. Um, is very, very powerful. And even things like, you know, Facebook now does, puts automatic captions in. Yeah. And people who are hard of hearing now have a means of being part of worship, even if sometimes the captions are not exactly what we said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They're close enough. Right, you're able approximately, to guess what right? It meant to be. Yeah. Um, but at least there's that that accessibility, and for people who are homebound, all of that, um, they still need community. They still need ways of connection. Mm-hmm. And I think what you experience with Baron Hymns when you've when you've broadcast, and what we experience every week when we broadcast online is a good reminder of the fact that, mm. you know, there are a lot of people that have needs that can be better met. If we can be a little flexible. Mm-hmm. Big time. Yeah. This ties in so well with our charity this month. We were working with Open Avenues. Uh, had a wonderful interview with uh, Kelly Sampson just the other day. Um, and uh, that's that's their whole goal mm-hmm. is... is providing accessibility to work um, for for anybody with disabilities, right? Right. And uh, we've got to, I think, in, in every aspect of life, in faith, certainly, church, certainly, uh, but in our workplaces and in our daily interactions and in all that we do, we've got to continue to find ways to incorporate all aspects of society uh, all aspects of, of our neighbors and neighborhoods and the people that live in them uh, in a way that they can connect and interact as well. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's wonderful, uh, the digital revolution is helping that further along. Uh, mm-hmm. There's lots of wonderful charities helping do that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's wonderful getting to work here uh, at First Methodist, a place that is striving to do that more and more every day, to open up our doors wider uh, mm-hmm. so that more people find a way uh, in, so right, to speak. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, no, the church mm. has been somewhat notorious of being a place of exclusion rather than inclusion. I know not of what you speak. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, I'm breaking ground here. Oh, look out, look uh, out. <laughs> right? Um, but, I mean, even in our physical uh, presence, like like uh, churches have exceptions because of separation in church and state, so mm. we get grandfathered in on things like mm. um, the Americans with Disabilities Act, yeah. and we get we don't have to make our our physical property as accessible as some other um, uh, properties are held to, uh, which is okay. I understand it from a legal perspective, but we ought to be leading out. Yeah, on that, it, it should be the other way around. Right. Like, I mean, fine, legally, fine. If, if we're not being required to do it, great. But yeah, exactly. That's 
persons of faith, we should be doing everything we could. Exactly. Uh, across faith spectrums, for that matter, mm-hmm. in order to open the doors wider for more people to find. Right. Uh, to find that place, to find that safety, to find a, a place to call their faith home. Yeah. Right, right. And it's challenging. I mean, especially oh, when yeah. you talk about uh, something like the church, which is supposed to be open to all people of all ages, nations, and races. I just read that from our from our baptismal vows to, mm. uh, to a couple that's looking at their child baptized. And um, to someone, they, to a church that's supposed to be open to all, there are real challenges to that, to try mm-hmm. and be as accessible as possible. But it doesn't mean we ever stop trying. Yeah, right. We We have to keep trying to do better and be better and make a space where as many people can have access. God's table should never be restricted from anyone. Mm. And too often, you know, we put these arbitrary obstacles in the way. For sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for, yeah. for sitting down with me today. Um, you came up the stairs. I was going, well, hopefully she'll come up the elevator. Oh, no, no. Walking in her boot up the stairs, uh-huh. making me feel guilty. But um, <laughs> but thank you so much for coming up to my office and sitting down with me today uh, to, to chat about beer and hymns and, yeah. uh, and this wonderful place. Um, Anytime. And thank you so much for the work that you do as well. Cheers. Yeah. Have a good one. You too. So, uh, what what are the things that um, you know? Beer and Hems, we get to work with at least twelve different nonprofits every year, um, and I, I will openly say this to anybody: I, I get the easiest job in the world, really, uh, at, at least with Beer and Hems. Maybe not my other work and stuff, but <sighs> I get to bring people together to sing and laugh and and drink. And give back to their community, right? And, and, and make their community a better place. But y'all are the ones doing the dirty work, uh, the, the nitty-gritty of actually changing lives, right? Um, one of the things that fascinates me, though, is we, we live in a very um, nonprofit-rich uh, you know, area. Um, last week, we had NWA Gives Day of Giving. Uh, I'm not sure if y'all participated. I'm sure you did. Yeah, everybody did, right? <laughs> I think there were like 240 organizations participating in the one day. We're all often competing for the same dollars in our community. Um, so what I'm always interested in is where's the crossover work? Where Where's the work where you're working not just with other companies, but with other nonprofits? Um, and, and are there spaces that, that you find collaboration and, and abilities to, to lift up other organizations in that way? Yeah, absolutely. We work really closely with Arkansas Rehabilitation Services and a couple others who Mm. we refer clients back and forth to each other. We allow them to have space in our building so that they have easy access to their clients and and that. And then we also have a new executive director. I mean, he's been there since June, so still still fairly new. And he's really working on those collaborations. One of his big focuses Mm. is wanting to, you know, our whole goal is to make the lives of people with disabilities better. And so if we can partner with another organization to do that easier and reach more people, then why not? So he's working on a couple of those relationships right now, and mm. we hope to have some news to announce on that really soon. Well, that's exciting. That's very cool to hear. Yeah. yeah. That, that to me, I think, is, is something that, you know, I, I, uh, I'm just always excited to see those opportunities where collaboration exists, right? What, one of the things that I, I, I have experienced within Beer and Hymns 
is a coming together of, of people from uh, diverse viewpoints at the very least. Um, it was very prevalent. We, we started uh, in the summer of 2016. We had a fairly contentious election that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and politics have been kind of very contentious ever since. Uh, but with beer and hems, people are able to come together that might not necessarily agree on, uh, you know, how they vote, but they do agree that they want to improve their community. They do agree that people should have opportunity, that uh, that Open Avenues has space, and that the people that you serve should be able to be lifted up. That it's such an exciting part about beer and hems to me is seeing, oh wait, we keep fighting, but we're actually wanting the same thing in so, so many ways. So to hear that y'all are working on those collaborative efforts, to me, uh, is just that much more exciting to, to know what y'all are about. And, yeah. Well, uh, Beer and Hymns was an amazing experience. Like, everyone was so happy. And, you know, I had posted about it from both Open Avenues and from my personal stuff. And mm. there were so many people there that are like, well, I saw you were going to be here, so I wanted to be here. Oh, that's awesome. I love that so much. Yeah. Like, it, it was just a very uplifting experience. Oh, I'm so glad, big time. Uh, we were, I, I was nervous about this one. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's not, that's not your fault. Nor, it's not, it had nothing to do with Open Avenues. <laughs> that was the nervousness of me being a performer, per se. Uh, but, you know, we, we're doing Songs of the 70s this month, and uh, I, I don't know why, but I found that to be as intimidating as doing my own generation's 90s music. And, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure I did the 90s well last summer because all my peers are going to know that music and they're going to be, oh, but you, you sang that long ride or whatever. And for some reason, I found that to be true of the 70s too. I think it was because uh, as I look back outside of the Beatles, which my dad literally worships um, still to this day, uh, outside of that, I grew up listening to 70s music. And so as we started looking at it, I, I couldn't pick the songs because I wanted to play them all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you all picked you picked the good ones, the well, really good ones. Well, we'll we'll rotate some more next year for sure. But it was fun times for sure. Oh, it was fun to listen to. We were going through the song list and like, oh, this one's on there. The Dancing Queens and you know, like, yeah, it was it was a great great list of music. Well, you can still come back out and hear us. This should be out before our next event, and uh, we'd love for anybody to come join us in Bentonville. Uh, at Bike Rack Brewing Company, uh, April 24th this year. Um, that night, we're going to be singing some more songs of the 70s and uh, uh, getting funky, so to speak. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of the things, uh, going, going, but let's get back to open avenues now. Um, it, you might need help getting to that event, um, or you might need help getting to work. Uh, one of the other parts of your program is actually transportation and that kind of thing. I, and I kind of liked this one, too, because it seemed to have a, a, an easy way to get involved financially with your organization. Uh, I love round dollar figures and that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> tell, but tell us about that. Like that, Obviously, that's a great need there. It's a huge need. The majority of our participants aren't able to drive. And we can't serve them if they can't get there. So we realized early on we had to do ADA bus transportation. And about 85% of our participants rely on that as their only way to get there. Sure, a parent or guardian could drop them off, but then that's taking time out of their workday. Because the hours for our participants are 9 to 3, which is, you know, 
not a full work day. And so it makes it really hard for you to be able to work if you're doing that. But we pick our participants up at their home, bring them to work, and then bring them back to their door at the end of the day. So wow, okay, it's huge for them to be able to have that service. And our costs are really high for that. And, you know, right now with gas prices so high, it's even steeper yeah, than normal. No kidding, yeah. But we, we advertise $40 a month you can help sponsor a participant's transportation service. Uh, is any of that available as well for those who go on into other places of work? Not yet. Not but we're, yet. We're working on it. How cool. So okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. buses are really hard to buy right now. A lot of vehicles are really hard to buy right now. It's And we've, yeah. been, we've been on a waiting list for a while trying to get some buses purchased. We have to purchase them through the state, and we get some oh, yeah. grant funding along with that. And so we're waiting. But we're trying to incorporate that into it because that would certainly help. Yeah, that would open up, I think, a lot more uh, opportunities, especially for those that are kind of able to come in and and find that graduating into to that next step for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that would still be a barrier in m- many of those circumstances. So, um, and, and in our community, my goodness, could we get some more public transportation people? Come on, who's in charge here? Let's <laughs> let's let's get on this. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, it, you know it is it's a fascinating part of well I, I'm from the South grew up in in uh, in the Memphis area uh, and we had very poor um, public transportation in the area and so those options were always very very challenging for anybody that needed to rely on that type of service in the first place um, but having lived in other parts of the world and then now knowing where we live knowing that people are coming in from all over the nation constantly, right? That people right. are moving here from New York and Chicago and L.A. and Austin and, and all these other great hubs of, of our nation. Uh, I keep hoping, all right, one of these days we're going to get some good public transport, right? And that would support folks like Open Avenues. That would Absolutely. that would go a long way in helping those conversations, I think. Absolutely it would. Because it's <clears throat> usually the number one barrier to employment for someone with a disability is transportation Mm. so it's definitely something that we need to provide in some way yeah all right so there there's your challenge folks uh forty dollars and you can sponsor somebody to ride uh for one month um it doesn't quite get it there so maybe make it fifty dollars if you can (laughs) um but you can give all month long to beer and hymns uh 100 donations go to benefit open avenues this month uh, give all month long, or you can go to their website, which is just simply openavenues.org, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. All that's right, right. I got it right. Sweet. <laughs> um, I forgot to write it down, so I was <laughs> going on memory. Um, Very good. And uh, and you're certainly welcome to to do that. I would say try what you can, see if you can make it a monthly donation, uh, and then you can sponsor all year round. Um, uh, but wonderful, wonderful things that they're doing. Last night, it was mentioned at our event, and I was immediately intrigued, had no idea about this event whatsoever. But y'all host an event called SOAR. Hot air balloons. Let's let's find out more here. Let's What's get you on? educated on SOAR and WA. Yes. So we started it a couple of years ago in 2019. We've been doing this... So this is- very new. It actually. is very yeah. new. Yeah. 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 So you're not totally out of the loop. Okay, good. That, that makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> We'd been doing the same fundraising event for like 25 years. Right. And I was fairly new still and wanted to come up with something new and different. And so I just started asking around who has an idea for a fundraiser that we could do? 
And somebody threw out the idea of something with hot air balloons. And I was like, well, nobody's doing that. That's no unique. That's Yeah. So it's it was kind of scary because um, I didn't know anything about hot air balloons. I still don't know as much as I probably should. But I met with a local balloonist and he said, great to do a hot air balloon event, but it can't just be balloons because if the weather isn't absolutely perfect – they're not doing anything they're not flying right yeah <laughs> they're not doing anything so it's like there can't be any wind at all well there has to be like five percent wind like right there has to be a little <laughs> bit of wind but not too much wind and you know just absolutely perfect so we put together store in wa and we have so many different activities we have live entertainers we have circus performers we have a car exhibit a beer garden a kid zone just Everything you can think of for an outdoor festival. It's so much fun. So much fun. All right. When and where? Let's start there. It's going to be August 26th and 27th at Drake Field, which is the airport out in Fayetteville. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Good deal. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of fun. The last two times we've had it, we weren't able to do it in 2020. Right. Um, So the last two times we've had it, we've sold out with... 10,000 people and it was all in one day before but there's this strange lull in the middle of the day where you can't have any balloon activities even if the weather is great because they can't do anything in the middle of the day for some reason science I don't know interesting (laughs) so I decided to split it up so we're going to do Friday night August 26th and then Saturday morning on August 27th and that way we got rid of that middle part where they're weren't balloon things going on so yeah so it's two days this year you can buy a one-day ticket or a two-day ticket whatever suits you best and we hope to have an announcement on our entertainment act very soon somebody kind of fun and different oh cool all right yeah sells out though it sells out every year okay so we, we get get on the tickets early you can actually go on and do that i saw um, yeah you can so do you can, that you now can buy tickets today uh, uh, the earlier the better because they will sell out. Only 10,000 tickets, so get on it. I could tell a couple of stories about Oh, that would be good. Yeah, that would be helpful. Thank you, yeah. So a lot of times we have participants get really comfortable working at Open Avenues, even though they're capable of jobs out in the community. Uh-huh. And so they need that little extra push. And I, I'll tell you an example about one woman we've we used to have her name's Brenda and Mm. she'd worked at open avenues for about 26 years and her friends were there and she was doing great, but we knew, we knew she was going to be successful. Capable of more. Yeah. Yeah. So we kept encouraging and softly pushing her. And finally she was a little bit kicking and screaming, but finally she was like, all right, I'm going to give this a try. And we helped her get a job as a greeter at Walmart Mm -hmm. back when they had greeters and she thrived. She absolutely mm. thrived and absolutely loved it. I still go in and visit her all the time. She transitioned into customer service and answering the phones and that kind of stuff wow, now. Yeah. And my husband, he had her on speaker the other day. He called in to ask a question, and it was her. And I was like, oh, that's Brenda. <laughs> I know cool. her. And she couldn't have been more nice, more helpful. Just everybody that works at that store and shops at that store loves her. She's getting ready to celebrate five or six years, mm-hmm. um, and, and she's up for a promotion right now. So How she's awesome. just done great, and she will be the first to tell you. So I'm not spilling any secrets. Like I was really scared to get a job in the mm-hmm. community, but 
thanks to the staff there, I was finally able to get out the door and get the job that I needed. So she is just doing so great. It's amazing to see her. And I, I know personally how hard it is to think about making that kind of change. Been exploring things uh, for, for myself and my wife as well uh, here lately. And that's a hard step to take for, for anyone. Right. Uh, I, I can only imagine that the, the anxiety that might surround that is even that much more uh in in that kind of circumstance where you're you're stepping out into the world that may not be as accepting of who you are uh because it just doesn't know any better doesn't know how to be and uh boy that's an amazing transition to make isn't it it is amazing and like i said we're all kind of like family once you're in the open avenues family you you don't ever leave and uh. so yes we have participants who are out in the community now but we always stay in touch with them. I Every time I get a chance, I go visit and check in and see how they're doing. And it's just great to hear from everybody. What is your greatest need? What is Open Avenue's thing? What, what could this community, what does NWA, uh, if you could ask for one thing from us, what do you need? Well... I'm not going to say money, <laughs> even though <laughs> that's probably the, well, the, the true <laughs> answer. <laughs> we always need money. We all do. But that, I think yeah. everybody could say that. So something different, I would say marketing. We've been around since mm. 1975, and so many people don't know who we are. Mm -hmm. And so we just need that word of mouth. So people are familiar with our name and familiar with what we do, and they can send participants to us. They can send work to us. Mm. You know, we do all sorts of jobs. It doesn't have to be something that, that is ongoing. We do little one-off things. Like we just stuff the goodie bags for the Bentonville Half Marathon, and we're going to be stuffing the goodie bags for square to square. So like those little uh, one-off projects are like great. Yeah. yeah. So anything that anyone has, we're super competitive on our pricing and you're not just paying a company, you're you're, you're paying a nonprofit yeah, for an amazing you're, service. Exactly. You're not just paying a company, you're 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 paying a movement, you're paying a exactly. uh, uh, you're, you're you're supporting uh, life change. Yeah. You know, you're 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 elevating up people in a, in a major way by by going with a, a group like Open Avenues. Yeah. So helping spread that word about us is is huge because the more people who know about us, the better. And I would say anyone who ever comes into our doors and takes a look around is is sold on what we're doing. Where are you located? How do, how do I schedule a tour? Oh, that's easy. Anybody can schedule a tour. Probably the easiest thing to do is to go to openavenues.org and yeah. reach out through the email on there and contact us, and we can schedule it from there. That's but cool. you can give us a call, anything. We would love to have you in and just take a look around. We can make it a 15-minute tour or an hour-long tour, depending on how much time you have. Very cool. Very cool. Well, um, I will say that uh, I, I would look forward to, to coming out and seeing the place and uh, getting to getting to know Open Avenues better, and uh, if no other reason, just to help spread the word that much further. So we would absolutely love that, and look forward to having you. Thank you. Thank you, big time, uh, Kelly. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast, and uh, we look forward to hanging out again in a couple of weeks at uh, Bike Rack and raising some more money. We've already raised a little over fifteen hundred dollars uh, for awesome. Open Avenues this month. 
let's see if we can't double, triple, quadruple that come uh, come bike rack. And, uh, yeah, we hope to see you all all there as we get a little funky with some 70s music. Absolutely. It's so much fun. So much fun. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh at the Darkness is produced by BeerandHymns.com. Special thanks to Gloria Echeverria and PJ Bradford for all their behind-the-scenes work from editing together this podcast, managing our social media, and just keeping me in line and on task. I couldn't do it without you. Our podcast theme music is composed by folk singer, songwriter, and artist Kevin McCrell. You can check out more about his music and art at kevinmcrell.com. Other special thanks to Matt Nelson, our brilliant pianist and band leader. He has recorded all of our podcast music. Thanks to Kelly Sampson with Open Avenues and to Reverend Dr. Michelle Morris at First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville for being our special guest this month. And to all of our amazing sponsors, Ethan Walton, Bike Rack Brewing Company, the CFO Network, Kind Creative Company, First National Bank of Northwest Arkansas, the Neighborhood Church, and First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. Special thanks to Dr. Donna Johnson and Neil Pumford, for your endless support. We are so very grateful. And most importantly, thank you listeners for checking out Laugh at the Darkness. Do us a favor, like, subscribe, and follow the podcast wherever you listen. Leave us a review and share it with your friends. My name is Ken Weatherford. We'll be back next month with more stories to Laugh at the Darkness.